So we're heading to John 15 this morning. We're going to just read the first 12 verses. This is a familiar passage, I'm sure, to many of you. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. I wonder how many of you have got your vegetable patches planted for the coming season. I know many of you are keen gardeners. I think I've shared a number of times from the pulpit that I am a hopeful but rather oftentimes failing home vegetable producer. I have the vegetable patch and it's all beautifully fenced off, both to keep our chickens out and then netted over because one year we put seedlings in and the possums ate them the first night. Everything is set in place. We have a watering system, lovely boxes that designate the area. And a few years, I have successfully managed to get some things planted and had a crop. But more often than not, my good intentions do not result in vegetables. I have many real excuses. The peak planting time always seems to come at a very busy time of the year when weekend spare time seems to be at a minimum. Or there have been times when the watering system hasn't been operational and there's no point planting because I have an appalling track record when relying on hand watering. Or the boxes are full of weeds and there's again no point in planting because there are weeds there. Blah, 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 blah. You get the idea. Sadly, simply having a set-up vegetable patch does not make it productive. So, most summers, as I buy my punnets of tasteless cherry tomatoes from the supermarket, I make 
cast a few envious glances at my family and friends who have managed to plant their vegetable patches and think to myself, next year, next year I am going to have that fruitful garden planted. I haven't entirely given hope for the, up hope for this season yet, but that hopelessness is getting closer. <laughs> so just like a vegetable patch, in design and purpose is meant to be fruitful. As Christ followers, we are chosen and appointed to bear fruit. The first two words recorded that God spoke to humankind were, be fruitful. And he maintains that expectation throughout scripture as we read. So in John 15, where we've just read, and I think it's important just to remember a little bit of the background of this, this is really the last intimate conversations recorded that Jesus has with his disciples. And I suspect, just like us, if we knew we were having last conversations with people, we would be cutting to the chase and talking about what was important. The other thing to know about John and the way that he lays out his gospel is that there are seven I am statements that he records that Jesus speaks to his um, followers and to those in those times. And so this one that we find in um, John 15 is the seventh one. I am the true vine. He goes on to say, my father is the vine dresser and you are the branches. Jesus paints this beautiful picture for his disciples, one that for them culturally would have been very familiar. It was very central to their everyday life. Vineyards were very central to the area that they lived in. And I was thinking about this and just thinking about how practical God is sometimes in our lives to help us remember things. That he uses everyday things around us to remind us of his promises, whether that's a rainbow or a sunset or a particular flower or a piece of music, that often he will use the everyday things around us to help us be reminded daily of who he is in our lives. And I think this is part of what Jesus is doing here. Remember, he's washed the disciples' feet, another incredibly memorable moment for them. As he said, I'm setting setting an example for you. And I I can't imagine that um, in the rest of their lifetime that they ever forgot that moment and that humbling experience of having their saviour wash their feet. And so now here we have in John 15 recorded some more of his final instructions, teaching and encouragement before he goes to the cross with this really strong word picture of a vineyard, something that his disciples are going to continue to see day in, day out, even after he has gone back to be with the Father. So he's setting up this really important time with his disciples so that they can remember, and remember what? That you are chosen and appointed to go and bear fruit, to be fruitful, and this is how you will be fruitful. He's setting this up for them in a picture that they can remember. 
a question that I think it's worth exploring if we ourselves are going to examine our lives for signs of fruitfulness, are we a fruitful people, is what is meant by fruit? The metaphor for fruit um, is used throughout Scripture to describe the outward evidence of our inward condition. So throughout Scripture, fruit is used in that way to be an outward evidence of what's going on in here. Jesus also makes it very clear um, in other conversations with his disciples that it's possible to bear good and to bear bad fruit. So he says to his disciples at another point, you will know false prophets and false teachers by their fruit. Look at the outward evidence of what is going on inwardly for them. So we can safely assume that Jesus wants us to bear good fruit. But what is good fruit? Um, Is good fruit our gifts and our talents? Is good fruit our good works and our serving, our ministry, our mission, what we do? Is good works the outworking of signs and wonders and miracles in and through our lives? Prophecy, words of knowledge, the gifts of the Spirit. Is that what he means by good fruit? So Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Safe to say in a natural principle and also in the picture that he's painting here, that the branches bear the fruit of the vine that they're attached to. So if Jesus is saying, I'm the vine, you are the branches, then as the branches, what we are to do is to bear the fruit of Jesus. So if you are cleverer than me, you may be able to identify an apple tree in other ways. But, go with me here, you can identify an apple tree by the apples hanging on it. We are to be identified and identified sorry by the fruit of Jesus growing in us. We are to be able to be identified as a branch that's attached to the vine, Jesus. We are called to bear the fruit of Jesus. This is actually fruit that is not as temporary as our assignment or our mission or our task or our good works. Although the fruit and the life of Jesus in us should be evident in all of those things. But the fruit is more than simply the things that we do. Immediately after talking about bearing fruit, Jesus doesn't rattle off a list of jobs and good works he wants them to do. He talks about love. If you look in verse 8, it says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. He's setting out this example. I've laid out this example before you. I've done this. I'm now asking you. These things I've spoken to you, he says, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another 
as I have loved you. So remembering that this is in the context of the branches being attached to the vine and producing the fruit of the vine, Jesus says, My Father is glorified when you bear this fruit, when you bear much fruit. My Father is glorified when my love is revealed in and through you. And my lo- when my love is revealed in you, when you bear my fruit, then it becomes clear that you are my disciples, that you are becoming more like me. The greatest evidence of Jesus in our lives is that we will be marked by and bear or carry his love. This is what true fruitfulness is, being a people who are marked by and bear and carry his love. Now, I'm certainly not suggesting that you shouldn't bother doing anything. Love is expressed, not contained. But true fruit only comes from the vine as its source. I think Paul expresses this perfectly in 1 Corinthians 13. where He says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Increasing in true fruitfulness, that is becoming more Christ-like, is not something that we are able to produce in ourselves. It is an inside-out job. In his metaphor, Jesus phrases it this way, Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. You cannot bear fruit apart from me, he's saying. He repeats it twice. You cannot love with my love apart from me. Over eight times Jesus uses this word abide in just this 11 verses that we've read this morning. Abide is not really particularly something we use in our modern day language. And so just to give you a grid for what it means to abide, this is the definition. It means to not depart, to continue to be present, and to be held and kept continually. I love that picture of to be held and kept continually. Jesus says we're to abide in him, but he also says he abides in us. Like there's a, There is a two-way process to abiding in Christ and in his love. The picture of the intimate relationship between a branch and a vine is an excellent picture of abiding. 
because there's no in-between point for the branch. It is either a part of the vine or it's not. When connected to the vine, the branch draws nourishment um, for, um, and sorry, finds its source of life. It is secure and has its purpose and identity as being a part of the vine and the potential to bear fruit for that vine. The opposite is also true. If it is disconnected with no nourishment and life source, it will wither and die and fruit will never grow on a dead branch. Far from being a passive thing, abiding is a daily choice that we make to live our life fully surrendered, laid down and dependent, not departing and continuing to be present with our Lord. A life of abiding is always going to be a life where it's more about God and his ways than us and ours. A place of abiding is a place where we live acknowledging the gap between what we are able to produce ourselves as self-made people and what God can do as a supernatural God. Branches cannot do anything on their own. They make good kindling. Abiding allows us to go past what we ourselves can produce. So if I'm abiding, then I will bear his fruit. And bearing his fruit is evidence that I'm abiding. When we were in the US, we drove through, we had a number of very long drives, and one of the areas that we drove through in California, they call the food bowl of America, and I understand why. Um, there were all these flat plains on either side of the highway, as far as the eye could see, and they were just fields upon fields of crops, all sorts of crops, from potatoes and onions and cauliflower and kale and you name it. But there were also a lot of vineyards that we drove past. And one of the things that really struck me was actually how small the vines were. They were all quite clipped and small, very neat. Um, and when I was doing a little bit of research, vines that are grown for fruit production are actually surprisingly small. Obviously, the whole point of a vineyard is to produce fruit. Um, seldomly, seldom are grapes grown for their foliage. But when left unattended, vine branches will produce a lot of unproductive growth. That is, they end up putting all their energy into the leaves and then they don't produce any fruit. We live in a world that is obsessed with growth. Personal growth, muscle growth, economic growth, growth of assets and bank accounts, growth of knowledge and intellect. We live in a very consumer-driven growth and therefore growth-driven world. And I don't think that we're immune to this in the church. In our own attempts to grow, we try more things, um, 
more of this, more of that. We read another book, we check out another podcast, we go to another conference, we increase our activity levels, try to expand our ministry or our area of influence, try to gain a greater Facebook or Instagram following if that's, or if that's your thing. We try to grow our churches. What I want to point out to you is it's easy to mistake frenetically being busy and doing more and more and more even when it's well-intentioned and for Jesus, as fruit. But lots of growth is not necessarily more fruitful. Growth and fruitfulness are not the same thing. So part one, as Jesus lays out this picture for us of the vine and the branches, is that bearing, to bear fruit we need to abide or be attached to the vine. But then Jesus highlights another aspect of increasing fruit production that will make us more like him, and that's the work of the vine dresser, the father. In John it says the father or the vine dresser takes away the, br the branches that are not fruitful. Now, when I did a little bit of reading about this, and you may have heard this before, when you look at that word for takes away in verse 2 there, an actual, a, a more literal translation is that the branch that is not bearing fruit that's been hanging down is lifted up and propped up. And this is something that happens in um, viticulture, where if the branches are hanging down, they are propped up so that the air circulating around them um, causes them to actually then be able to bear healthy and more fruit. So we have this picture of the vine dresser, even at times where we may feel that we've been hanging down and not fruitful, that the father, the vine dresser, lifts up, props up for the purpose of bearing fruit. Then Jesus talks about those branches that have produced fruit still are to be pruned so that they will bear more fruit. So again, um, the Father is taking an active part in our lives to secure fruitfulness, to make us more like his son, Jesus. How does he accomplish this as the vine dresser? Pruning and repositioning the branches. As I've thought about this process of becoming more fruitful, I've become aware that fruit production is often an uncomfortable process. Just ask a pregnant woman. The word here for prune is actually the same word used for cleanse. So in, if you look at your verses there, I'm going to have to put my glasses back on. Um, it says that he, every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes. And then it goes on to say, already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. That word prune and clean, that's the same word. One is a verb and one is an adjective, but they're actually the same word there. So every branch that does not bear fruit, sorry, he props up. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes or properly cleanses so that it will bear even more fruit. 
None of us are immune to the pruning process. The Father is very intentional to refine us, to prune us in order that we might bear more fruit. I felt really challenged by this particular aspect of looking at fruitfulness in my life. Have I mistaken lots of leafy growth for what is fruitful? I think it's really easy in frenetically busy lives to assume that busyness and doing more will actually equate to more fruitfulness. And I really believe that we have a picture here that suggests that's, that's not always the case. You know, that sometimes our lives actually need to be decluttered a little bit so that we can actually be more fruitful. And so that's a question that I would like you to ponder yourself this coming week. Are you mistaking lots of leafy growth for fruit? Are you bearing the fruit of the vine or are you bearing the fruit of yourself? And have you submitted to the work of the Father, the vine dresser, in your life? The other thing I think is that if it feels for you like it's a season of feeling a little bit more pruned, what's really clear in this is that the Father does that for the purpose of bearing more fruit. So I would just challenge you this week to examine um, in your own life, are there some things that the Lord is asking to declutter? When you're involved in things, to be just asking the Lord, is this where you're, it, it, will this bear more fruit, God, for you? Finally, there is always a process to growing fruit. I remember when one of our girls was a toddler, we have a, we do have a grapevine in our courtyard and um, she decided she was going to pick a very unripe, little, hard little grape and she, before I could stop her, she'd popped it in her mouth and she was just like, because it was very bitter and revolting and um, it was, when, I was, when I was writing this, I was just remembering, you know, fruit has various stages even once it's on the vine in terms of its... Um, sweetness and its juiciness and um, and so fruit takes time to grow even once it's starting to be established on the branch it actually takes time in the sun it takes watering to ripen and to mature there isn't any amount of self-effort and striving that beats the process and I, I know that I've said this before, but God is very committed to process in our lives. It isn't sadly possible to just simply pin mature fruit on the branches. Fruit grows on the branches as a direct result of the intimate, ongoing, life-giving relationship between the vine and the branches, and then the wisdom and the intention of the vine dresser to prune and attend to the branches in the right season. Being fruitful is not a static and once-off process. There is no arrival point. A true disciple is always becoming more fully a disciple. And Jesus talks about this picture in this passage. He says, 
that there will be this increasing fruitfulness in our lives as we abide in him and as we submit to that process with the vine dresser to bear fruit. And then he says more fruit. Then he says much fruit. And then he says fruit that remains. There is a process involved in our lives to becoming more like Christ. And so what is this process of bearing fruit for? Why bear fruit? Why does a vine produce grapes? Grapes are certainly nice to eat once they're ripe and sweet. They're good for making wine. But the primary purpose of the fruit of the vine is to carry seeds. That is the definition of fruit, a seed-bearing structure. That is what fruit is, a seed-bearing structure. And so one of the purposes of bearing fruit in our lives can be found in the second part of God's first command to humankind. Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. This is more than just about procreation. This is about the fact that fruit is a seed-bearing structure, that as we become more like Christ, his seeds of love will be planted in those around us. The purpose and in the intention of bearing much fruit is that every person that our lives touch will encounter something of Jesus. It is by this that our Father is glorified. That as Jesus is more, made more and more manifest in our life, as we live as people abiding in his love, abiding in the, the, the vine, allowing the vine dresser to attend to our, um, our life, and as we then produce the fruit of Jesus in us, or he produces the fruit of Jesus in us, that the people we encounter get to encounter more of him than us. True fruitfulness is the life and love of Jesus manifest in and through our lives in increasing measure. It's more than just leafy growth and temporary activities and assignments that we may do in our lifetime. There is a process and it cannot be achieved apart from the vine and without the tending of the vine dresser. You might like to stand. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, as we ponder these truths that God, you have intention and purpose that our lives would be fruitful and that we would bear the fruit of your son Jesus in our lives. We just again recognize and acknowledge, God, our dependence completely and utterly upon you. We recognize, God, that there is nothing in and of ourselves 
that we can do to represent you well. And so, God, this morning we choose to be a people who abide in you, that you are the vine, that we are the branches. Our desire is to be so connected and in intimate relationship with you, Jesus, that we would bear your fruit, that you as our life source, you as our nourishment would cause us to be more like you. And our desire, God, as we go out into the week, Father, is that in increasing measure with the people that we come in contact with, they would encounter something of you, Jesus. So would you help us, God? Would you reset um, where we need that, God, um, our understanding even of what fruitfulness looks like? God, we don't want to be a frenetically busy people. We want to be a fruitful people for you. And so we yield ourselves to you afresh this morning. Would you do in us what needs to be done, God, so that you can work through us? We look forward to this week with you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.